Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was late. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I, I ruined it. Yeah, no, that's fine. It will just, you know, we can only go forward. Can't edit. So fix, fix it in post. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's that's totally what'll happen. Absolutely. This is the Cool Zone Media Book Club. Your once a week fiction thing about cool zone media fiction once a week i read you a story i'm margaret kiljoy with me today playing the role of you is garrison hello i'm you that's amazing yeah you really are kind of you know the um the every them you know like everyone can uh sure sure yeah i can slot into any place much like how uh, the everyman character of uh, Mickey Mouse, who has just entered the public domain. That's right. But only the one from 1928. Yeah. It's okay. I think that was when he was more the every them. No, he was a lot cooler. Like, if you actually watch the steamboat, well, I shouldn't say cooler. I'm about to say something really bad. But if you watch the Steamboat Willie cartoon, mm-hmm. it's just him like abusing animals for like 10 minutes. <laughs> but, but he's, I don't know, Mickey Mouse is so sanitized now. And to, to watch just like the actual insanity of that of that original uh, cartoon is, is, is a kind of jarring compared to the current brand image of Mickey Mouse. But he just instead just goes around like torturing animals and people. Yeah, um, but you know that's like standard cartoon fare. It's not. It's not like actual animal abuse. It's like you know, it's, they're cartoon on. animals. Yeah, come on, come on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I got really sad this morning. I was thinking about. I was reading something about how Mickey Mouse entered the public domain because that's what I do with my life. And it was talking about how Mickey Mouse was like in some ways inspired by Charlie Chaplin's uh, characters. Sure. And then I was thinking about how Charlie Chaplin was, uh, while not good on the feminism front, uh, was an anarchist. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he got like fucking kicked out of the country over it and shit during the Red Scare. Um, yeah, he he was up front. He identified as an anarchist. Uh, again, it doesn't mean that he didn't um, 
whatever. I don't have my notes in front of me. I'm not trying to like specifically lionize or talk Here shit on go. this man. Margaret's canceling Charlie Chapman. That's the right. The first one ever who's who's ever looked at Charlie Chaplin's life and been like, huh, there's a there's a few discrepancies here. Well, okay, but the thing that actually happened is I sort of like defend it because I'm like, people are like, oh, Charlie Chaplin, fuck that guy. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of interesting politically. He identifies as an anarchist. He, he wrote this thing about how animals shouldn't be in cages. And yeah, yeah. it just didn't. Anyway, that's not what we're going to talk about today. Because today we're going to read a story about a mall. I love I love malls. I really like folk horror. It's like my favorite genre of horror. And I really like the idea that folk horror can happen in urban environments because it's usually just like there's bad things in the woods, which is like true. Yeah. That's like why we live here. But cities have bad things too. No, like yeah. suburban folk horror has been like kind of a, a rising genre as yeah. of late, especially when we have like urban decay, malls being a really prime example of these things that used to be places but are no longer actually like real places. Yeah. Um, and that is just rife territory for for uh, the the intrepid folk horror author. Well then, today's intrepid folk horror author, who's usually more of a body horror author, I don't know how he's going to feel about me calling him a folk horror author, um, because he's uh, smarter about horror than I am, is Evan J. Peterson. And I'm going to read you a bio for Evan J. Peterson. He's an author and a game writer. His latest book is Meta Flesh, Poems in the Voices of the Monster, and recent work includes Drag Star, published by Choice of Games, which is the world's first drag performance RPG, as well as The Road to Innsmouth, Arkham Horror. Evan's writing appears in Weird Tales, Pseudopod, Nightmare, Queers Destroy Horror, Boing Boing, and Best Gay Stories. Evan's serial novel, Better Living Through Alchemy, will be published in 2024, which is this year, by Broken Eye Books. Website's evanjpeterson.com, where you can go to learn more. This story is called The Untimely Death of Northgate Mall. Even the gumball machines were empty. Someone already pulled out the mall's directory maps, leaving behind blank white portals to some shopping limbo. Kyle paced the midway of the dying mall and surveyed the damage. At least it still smelled like a mall, pretzels and bleach and books, while strains of Blondie and other pop standards still echoed down the promenade. The wrecking ball had already knocked the teeth out of Macy's. The American flag still waved in pride against the backdrop of the crumbling facade. Shopping cathedrals all over the nation were dying out. Maybe Northgate Mall, now toothless and increasingly vacant, had already died of hunger. The Northgate Mall was actually the first fully indoor shopping center in the nation, a decision made thanks to Seattle's rainy weather. And that's not even the most interesting thing about it. The Northgate Mall started with 18 stores in April of 1950. Only in yourstate.com slash Washington. Kyle tightened the laces of his mask. Ben had sewn it by hand for him, and it looked like a surgeon's mask, the kind that ties in the back. It even felt a little fetishy, especially when he wore it with nitrile gloves to venture out into the public. No more Ben thoughts, he told himself. Others plodded along the mall in their own masks. Kyle used to walk up and down through the crowds, elbow to elbow, with whatever viruses strangers carried, unconcerned if they coughed or sneezed. Some parents still let their children cavort in the play area, masked or not. Kyle heard a rustle and a shriek behind him. His stomach lurched. He expected to see a bleeding child, some accident of negligence. But it was just a seagull rifling through the trash. 
The Gauls in the neighborhood were bolder lately. They flew right into the mall and stole the trash, if trash could be considered stolen. Some crazy rich people probably thought so, the same crazy rich people who wanted to knock Seattle flat and build a thousand skyscrapers on its broken ribs. The seagulls just fulfilled their niche and scavenged the mall's carcass. In his sleeveless Dawn of the Dead t-shirt, Kyle leaned against an empty kiosk and wondered if seagulls could become undead if they preyed on zombies. He thanked God, or whoever was responsible, that it was just COVID happening outside and not a zombie apocalypse. Would people still be screaming about their freedom if it was zombies instead? Probably. He imagined mall shamblers wearing don't tread on me ball caps reflexively trying to shoot each other with empty guns. Jesus fucking Christ, it was too real. Graham Jr. planned Northgate as a one-stop shop for all the suburban America family's needs. That, weirdly enough, included a hospital. Northgate General was operational in the 1950s, but defunct by the 1990s. Being born in a mall is peak Americana. Natalie Graham, The Stranger, 10-24-2018 Kyle worked his first job in a mall, Spencer Gifts. His second job, too, Walden Books. He had his first big crush on a boy who worked at Hot Topic. He had his first kiss with a boy, a different boy, in a food court, both of their mouths sweet with junk food. During this August heat wave, Kyle walked the mall for the refuge of air conditioning. He couldn't afford an apartment with AC, but even on its deathbed, the mall cranked it. It was also supposed to distract him from the breakup, but that strategy failed spectacularly. The mall squatted only two blocks from Kyle's apartment. He and Ben bought one another presents here. They people-watched and made fun of strangers here. In the lusty early days of dating, they even had a quickie in one of the single-occupant bathrooms. Memories infested the place, and the fact that most of those memories were happy only made it worse. It's worth noting that Washington might be the only state to have a mall that has an entire terrorists and serial killers section on its Wikipedia page, only in your slash Washington. And do you know who else has terrorists and serial killers woven throughout? I mean, our actual show, more so terrorists and serial killers. Um, That's true. But... That's true. We're doing the only crime, the only crime, the true crime wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm also suspecting that there will probably be advertisements for something serial killer related since you are listening to a podcast. So yeah. enjoy Enjoy that. Yeah, and I hope it's for another podcast and not an ad to become one. Like a cop ad. Here's the ads. Go. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now, it's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. 
But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. He stopped to stare at the bare baseball cap display rack in the window of champs, the translucent plastic domes looking like a swarm of jellyfish without the hats to engulf them. This was the spot where the relationship had finally begun to rot at the core. They were browsing sneakers when Kyle asked if they should move in together. They'd been dating over a year and it made sense. Living alone in Seattle came with a steep rent. Ben froze and Kyle could actually see Ben disassociate, his eyes fixing into the middle distance. Christ, it wasn't a marriage proposal. It was a perfectly reasonable thing to ask for. Then the pandemic hit and... Dust to dust. He heard the gull scream again, plucking him out of his memories, and now there were two of them. They flapped around rooting in the trash, spreading it everywhere. A gray-haired woman from the still-standing jewelry store ran at them with a broom, yelling in what sounded like Spanish, but the, the gulls didn't retreat. They lunged and screamed, spreading their wings to intimidate her, and it worked. She backed right off. Seagulls one, mall lady zero. The thought made him laugh for the first time in two weeks. Kyle stopped for a pretzel covered in cinnamon sugar and two sides of icing. The pimply underage pretzel girls behind the counter flirted with him, and he flirted back using every charming trick he knew to get a discount. The smell of hot dough and sugar filled his nostrils. He sat on a bench, undoing the top laces of the mask and letting it fall against the hollow at the base of his throat. Next to the pretzel stand was a cavern formerly occupied by Spencer Gifts. Not the one he'd worked for, but they were all the same inside. Someone from the corporate office had already removed the exterior signs. But Kyle knew the spot. He went in once a year or so for the nostalgia, to remember what it was like making a shitty mall wage and cleaning up after customers that broke more than they bought. Back when he worked there, there were blatantly homophobic and transphobic items. Kick-me stickers that said gay pride meant for covert placement on someone's back. A real laugh riot. Now, 
The store sold t-shirts with the painted faces of famous drag queens and posters of yaoi boys. Please cut that. Is it yaoi? Is that how you pronounce that? <laughs> I, I kind of want you, this, you just to leave this in. <laughs> the fact that I don't know how to pronounce this. That you don't know how to pronounce yaoi. Okay, but am I right? Am I right? Huh? <laughs> you are right. Yeah. Yes. All right, fine. You can leave it in. Also, I, I like that you went to me for expertise on how to... You're my Gen Z friend. Do you? You know all the stuff. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh. Well, I know. I know my way around some yaoi. Well, which is good because the store sold T-shirts with the painted faces of famous drag queens and posters of yaoi boys kissing and holding hands. A word I totally knew how to pronounce the first time. It was disorienting. But that was the first real test of acceptance in capitalism. Did it cost more to persecute marginalized people or to assimilate them? Queer was cool now and it sold a lot of merchandise, but it couldn't sell enough to save a dying mall. Black tarps blocked the glass storefront. Kyle could see a bit inside through the door, and of course it was dark, abandoned, but the door was slightly open. Kyle entered the cave, forgetting to retie his face mask to his head. He poked around in the dim light, hidden from outside view. Lots of empty, cheap shelving, but maybe he'd find something fun. His shoe bumped something large but lightweight on the ground. Kyle stooped and found it was a Halloween mask. The store must have begun stocking for the season after all, even though someone in the chain of management knew it was pointless. Maybe it was a vain attempt to resuscitate business, a kind of sympathetic magic of supply and consumption. Or maybe no one really knew what else to do. Kyle certainly didn't. Criminal Incidents In 1973, the serial killer Ted Bundy reportedly apprehended a purse snatcher late at night in the Northgate Mall parking lot a few weeks before his first documented murder. Many of his subsequent victims were approached in parking lots. On September 12, 1983, Tracy Ann Winston was abducted from Northgate Mall and murdered by Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer. The following year, on April 23, 1984, a seven-man force of the Order attacked an armored car at the mall after first staging a diversionary bombing. Wikipedia.org slash wiki Northgate underscore mall underscore Seattle. Kyle pulled his phone out to inspect the mask by the LED light. It wasn't a horror mask. It was a stylized bird head, gray and white, not made of rubber or plastic, but what felt like real wood, a lightweight fiber like bamboo. It looked handmade and meticulously crafted, not the kind of licensed pop bullshit the store usually stocked. He didn't recognize whatever character the mask represented. Something from a video game? Might be a pigeon? He heard the faint scream of the gulls again. That's what the mask was. A seagull. The whole coincidence of it was unsettling. Would anyone be a seagull for Halloween? Maybe it was part of a Hitchcock Birds theme? Kyle checked the mask for a price tag, an SKU, something that would indicate whether it was inventory. There were no stamps, labels, or stickers. Maybe it really was handmade, which meant it didn't belong in here. He could almost hear Sweet Ben daring him. Put it on. What's the worst that could happen? Superstition got the better of him, and he didn't try it on. Instead, curiosity and boredom pressed him further toward the mall's inner workings. He navigated the dark sales floor, pussyfooting his way to the doorway of the back room. He smelled it before he walked through. That dumpster smell, not quite nauseous, but getting there, 
a salty sweet smell of recent garbage and cigarette butts. The break room was completely black. No good light reached from the mall promenade and no light came in from the door on the far side of the space. The other door would lead to the mall's labyrinth and bowels, the passages that joined the break rooms of every store, the kitchen of every food vendor, to loading docks and disposal bins. Kyle fumbled with his phone and the mask, and in a moment of failed instinct, he held tight to the mask and dropped the phone. The clack of it against the floor echoed in a way that sounded wrong, like the room was far bigger than it should be. The light of the phone screen blinked out. He crouched to pick it up, patted around for it, and felt something slice his finger. The icy zing of it frightened him more than it hurt. He brought it to his mouth and almost sucked the wound before he stopped himself. Fucking idiot, he thought. This is how you get staff. He realized that his cotton mask wasn't tied in place, but he left it for now. He thought of the film Demoni, with the woman cutting herself on a prop mask and becoming possessed by a demon. Italian horror was weird like that. All the elements were here for a real giallo clusterfuck. The mall, the mask, the wound. Kyle wiped whatever blood leaked from his finger onto his jeans. Hopefully it was just a superficial wound, but right now, it stung like hell. When the late celebrity chef, Anthony Bourdain, came to Seattle in 2017, he also asked me about serial killers. What was it about the Northwest and serial killers, Bourdain asked. I joked that it is an easy place to hide the bodies. Newt Berger, Seattle Magazine, March 2019. Uh, and, you know, I already did the serial killer cut you to the serial, things. You already did the serial killer bit. Yeah, fuck. Um, well... Wow. We're just bitless, like a screwdriver that you've lost the parts for. Here's the ads. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. He didn't know whether to grope for his phone again and risk another cut or just grab the mask and feel his way back to the door. Fuck it. It was about time to get a new phone anyway. He could erase the data remotely. Kyle found the door, pushed through, and it spilled him out into... Not the store. He'd found the wrong door. And now he was in the mall's inner maze. But where he'd expect brassy, moth-splattered fluorescent lighting, the hall glowed red. As his eyes adjusted, he saw the walls and floor glistened and seemed to ripple. It was humid in there, too, with a thick smell of dumpsters and animal shit that made him gag. He almost fainted, grabbing the wall for support, and his hand clutched the slick, warm flesh of it. That pushed him over the edge, and he spewed onto the floor. New sounds came then, and he spit and cleared his mouth. Rustling wings, a dozen seagulls careened around a corner, diving into his pool of vomit and consuming it. He retched again, but nothing came up. Some of the gauls looked at him and screamed, real bird screams, not some synthesizer growl to match the peeled reality of this nowhere place. Kyle knew, in some deep genetic memory, that he was in animal space now, bloody and hungry. He'd fallen from the apex of the food chain and was somewhere outside his world and inside a primordial space beneath it. It was not a world made for him. The gauls cried again, some hopping toward him. He backed away, but they popped forward and raised their wings, threatening him. God, they were so much bigger up close. A couple of them lunged toward him, and in a ducking instinct, he pulled the bird mask onto his head to protect his bare face. Sound stopped. It was perfectly dark inside the mask and cool, not hot and steamy and filthy like the passageway. If that grotesque hallway existed under his reality, the inside of the mask was another layer down. You've come back, said the voice inside the mask. I've been waiting. It was a feminine voice, ageless, deep, and velvety. Was it outside or inside his skull? Who are you? Kyle asked the vast and empty space inside the mask. You already know. You know me in your bones. He was helpless, a small and flightless creature that didn't know how to communicate without words. Perhaps, whatever this entity was, it knew he needed words to understand. I am the northern gate, the crossroads of land and hunger, mother whose milk is snow and whose womb is burial clay. You a a goddess, like a, a Duwamish goddess? I was here long before them, before blood became warm. Where is here? Where are we? In me. Kyle took time to consider what that could mean. Did she eat him? Or was he in her womb? Or could both be true, as primordial magic could fuse life and death into the same experience? He had the sense that he should be terrified, but all that he felt were warmth and wonder. 
The darkness surrounding him was still perfect, no threat of galls or stink of carrion. I will feed you, Kyle. I will protect you. I will burn away your pain and grow fruit from the ashes. But you must also feed me. Little white stars opened in the darkness like holes punched through canvas. They twinkled and pulsed, growing larger, and he saw that they weren't stars at all. They were birds, flying towards him from every direction. You must sacrifice the things that stand between us. Kyle swallowed and tried to remove the mask. But he wasn't wearing a mask and he didn't have hands. He was just a bird. A little white and gray bird in a hungry black void. Now, my warm-blooded thing, said the mother's voice, bring me nourishment. When he awoke, the mask was gone. The two pretzel girls in their purple uniforms and visors crouched over him. You okay? One asked. I think maybe you fainted. Which store do you work at? He sat up. Everything looked normal on the inside hallway, even the pool of vomit next to him. I'm fine, he said and tried to stand. Whoa, dude, the other girl said. You're bleeding. He looked at his fingers. The cut still bled, but it looked worse than it felt. We have a first aid kit at the pretzel stand. I can bandage you, but you should, like, go to the hospital, I think. Get a tennis shot or something. Can you get a ride, the second girl asked. You probably shouldn't drive. Kyle laughed. The girls laughed, too, but nervously. I'm going to be fine, he told them. Mother will take care of me. With his other hand, he reached for his phone and found it back in his pocket. When it was out, he saw the screen had indeed cracked, but was still usable. Can I just stay here after you bandage me up? I'll call someone to come get me. The girls looked at each other. Okay, one said. Your mom, right? You you sure you're okay? He smiled. I'm better than okay. One girl left to get the first aid kit while the other held him up. A seagull hopped into view from around the corner. Ugh, the girl said. They've been getting in here every day lately. Fucking garbage eagles. Kyle laughed again. They were here before we were. They have the right to clean our bones. The pretzel girl got up and left without a word. She looked back at him once and sped up. The gull stared at him, daring him to do something. Sound Transit is currently burrowing toward Northgate at a not fast enough pace. By 2021, the light rail will have a stop up there. A complete redevelopment of the area around the station, including changes to the mall, is underway. Natalie Graham, The Stranger, 10-24-2018 He texted Ben. He knew Ben would come, even after everything. I'll be right there, Ben texted back. Stay safe. Kyle knew what to do. First... He would take care of this little distraction. Then, he'd make sure the mother was fed. Dun, dun, dun. That's the end of the story. Class, classic Pacific Northwest liminal folk horror. Yeah. I'm into it. You know, like, probably it says stuff about, like, capitalism and consumerism and gentrification and malls and stuff, you know? That happened to a friend of mine once, yeah. Got gentrified or became a seagull? Uh, well, closer to the second one. Oh, okay. I don't think it was quite a seagull, but if you if if you if you disassociate in a an abandoned mall too much, that will definitely happen to you. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I like it because like I like things that um, break the divide between like 
city and not city and just sort of admit that it's all wilderness, even if it's like wilderness of yeah, our own making and then decay and stuff, you know? There's a few things that kind of straddle that line really good where you get like this intense like industrialization, this very like heavily like like urban environment. It interacts in like a magical realism way, the same way that like walking through like a forest at night does. Yeah. And they kind of they cross into this very similar uh, plane. And I mean, a lot of stuff specifically set in the Pacific Northwest gets into that. Um, and it's it's a really it's a really fun space to explore. That makes sense to me. I wonder whether, and I'm just completely conjecturing, I used, I've spent a fair amount of time in the Pacific Northwest, because like the climate of the Pacific Northwest is a very present character in your life when you live there, you know? Like, I wonder if it's like, since that climate stays with you, whether you're like in the city or not in the city, like it is still raining, you know? Like Yeah, it's the, the sky is still gray, no matter where. Yeah. <laughs> no matter where you go. Yeah. Um, I... I I don't know. I mean, I think this also could just play into fiction inspiring other fiction. I mean, I feel like in in many ways we have like Twin Peaks as uh, as a thing that definitely it did not start this trend, but it's definitely one of the hallmarks of this trend that other other people have definitely yeah. continued to kind of play from. It's 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 like a, it's, it's like a starting point that that is where we still see a lot of c- culture that is in this genre. Yeah, kind of play off of that idea. Yeah. I don't know. It's certainly a fun space. And the past, really since the pandemic, which makes, makes sense why the story is set in the pandemic, we, we've seen a lot more liminal horror. Yeah. Because people got to like experience the whole world like that for a while. Yeah. And many places haven't like come back. Like malls aren't really things anymore in a lot of what? in a lot of cases. They're not coming back. I had uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, we've been advertising that people invest in mall coin though. <laughs> No, there's 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 one mall specifically in Portland, um, uh, the Lloyd Center Mall, which is just my favorite favorite place to go oh, if God. I want to uh-huh. if I want to enjoy some dead mall vibes because it is it is eerie in there. Yeah, it's it's really really fun. But no, we we we've, we've had a, this massive explosion of like liminal horror. Liminal spaces were popular for so long. We get this brought into things like the back rooms and various other like lots of lots of like young writers who are like writing what used to be fanfic and is now just kind of it's 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 more just like a internet fiction i guess yeah creepy like creepypasta i guess is a kind of it's kind of what it's in the vein of i suppose but we're we're getting a lot of a, a lot of people kind of got indoctrinated into writing in that space so we just see a whole a whole bunch of stuff coming out of that and it's been it's been fun to see because there is there is some good stuff I mean, yeah like anything like that gets to like too popular too mainstream it gets filled with a lot of a lot of more like filler type stuff that just maybe isn't super unique, uh, but there is some really special stuff mixed in there too. Yeah, and I, you know, it's like when I first started in book club, I figured we'd be doing almost entirely science fiction, right, or like climate fiction, you know? Sure, sure. And then I've been thinking a lot about how like some of this type stuff is also representative of where we are. Like genre that is like fantasy or horror has things that are supernatural in it is like also a way of describing where we are as society. It's like not just yeah. imagining scientific futures that allows that, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, and magical thinking has exploded like across ev- everyone. I mean, like even just on some, something like TikTok where you have a whole bunch of young people getting getting uh, surrounded by different types of magical thinking. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse, often, often for worse oh, in yeah, many no, cases. Totally. The splintering of reality is not something to celebrate. It's something to notice. Sure. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> but I think w with that, we I think th that sort of magical realism uh, reaction to just the increasing unreality of everyday life is a super understandable reaction. I yeah. mean, I, I I play with that reaction quite often yeah. for like my work and a lot of my hobbies and interests. It's kind of exploring that that more fluid space. Yeah. But no, I, I I think I think like magical realism and that this sort of in between genre it's it's not quite sci-fi it's not quite fantasy it's not quite horror either like i i, I really right. like it when it's there's just this there's kind of this little little bit in the middle where it's it's just weird shit like it's just like it's just kind of yeah, it's just seagull stories i mean come on the right? high strangeness the, the 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 high weirdness yeah genre i think like an, another great example that kind of blends this like mystery of the forest with like the the unreality of urban living um is the tv show atlanta which specifically was riffing off of twin peaks as well but there's there's so many great bits where people are getting lost in forests while also getting like lost in high rises or getting lost in like <laughs> underground parking lots yeah and it's, it's the same thing yeah and it both like it explores very similar I I ideas i mean I'm, I'm very happy to see more stuff in the genre because it is it does feel kind of an indicative of where we are yeah. in in some degree because we are stuck between the neoliberal death spiral and whatever is going to happen next, but we're not quite in either space anymore. Like we're not in the '90s, we're not in the peak of neoliberalism, but we're not living in the post-apocalypse. Right. We're living in this weird in-between era. Right. Um, the right, the, so, the non-post-apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, maybe this is just it. Maybe it's just going to be this forever, which yeah, it, it completely it won't possible because yeah. there will always be because there will always be new things. Yeah. But it, it definitely has this very strongly liminal vibe. Yeah. It's a fun space to explore. Yeah. Well, if, dear reader, you want to explore more of it, I've read a bunch of other of Evan's stories, and they are um, genuinely really creepy and weird and interesting. And I haven't read it yet because it's not out yet. But to plug here at the end of it, Evan's new novel, Better Living Through Alchemy, is going to be coming out this year in 2024. And people can follow him on Instagram at evan.j.peterson uh, or go to his website, which I probably already said at the top, but it's you can probably Google it. No one's going to type in the URL anyway. People are going to type in Evan Peterson author website. That's what I would do. You got anything to plug? You do a podcast that people are already listening to the feed of, but maybe they're not. Sure. We have a we have some fun stuff that could happen here planned in the new year. We have a a, a week long's worth of episodes about different aspects of the Daily Wire, including <laughs> a, a dissection of their new uh, anti-trans basketball quote unquote comedy movie, uh, which I, Ooh, have I have seen forced. It uh, I have seen it. Oh, I'm jealous. Um, Wait, am so I? It, Maybe I'm no, not. <laughs> you're not, Margaret. You're not. It's barely even worth the hate watch. It's 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 simply not a good piece of media. Yeah. But we will we will include a dissection of that within our. Our weeks of, of of daily wire themed episodes um and then also i will be heading to the the what i would say is the is the capital of artificial unreality uh las vegas uh to to report from the consumer electronics showcase in the new year as well so very exciting stuff excellent and people can check that on it could happen here which might be the feed you're listening to this on or you could be listening to it on the Cool People Did Cool Stuff feed, because this show is on both. And if you listened on the It Could Happen Here feed, maybe you'd like my history podcast, which is called Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff. And if the other way around, then the other way. I'll see you all next week. Bye. 
Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.